Are you feeling stuck, lost, tired, or uninspired? We've all been there, including myself. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. I'm here to tell you that the best, unapologetic, and limitless version of yourself is yet to come. The Born Unbreakable podcast is here to inspire just that. With motivating guests from all different walks of life and around the world, their stories will empower you to unlock abundance and your unbreakable spirit. Do you need accountability? Reach out to me for a free consultation of how I can support you in reaching your maximum potential. This episode is brought to you by Korma Date Coffee, the healthy alternative to coffee. This delicious date coffee has the health benefits of giving you natural energy, antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, and fiber. Best of all, Korma is caffeine-free. No jitters, no anxiety, and no afternoon crash. Go to KormaCafe.com, that's K-O-R-M-A-C-A-F-E.com, and enter discount code BORNUNBREAKABLE at checkout to get 10% off your order. Welcome, everyone, to the Born Unbreakable podcast. We're back again. This is the second episode of the new year, and I'm so excited for today's guest because we're going to be talking about something I think we all think about, which is our finances and what's going on with them and where they should be going. But um, I would be remiss if we didn't start with the story of my guest, which I'm going to let him tell, but I want to tell you a little bit about him. So I have Dwight Heck on the show today. He is the founder of Give a Heck Financial. But before he got into the space where he spent probably 19 years or so at this point helping people to thrive in the financial space, it wasn't always this way. He was a single dad of five living paycheck to paycheck, and the struggle was real. Finances were were difficult. Budgeting was difficult. He spent time doing IT consulting for nine years before he made the jump into the financial industry. So there is a whole lot that Dwight went through before he tapped into the current place he's in today. So Dwight, welcome to the show. Hi. It's so awesome to have you here. Thank you for having me on. I look forward to our conversation. Yeah, and and also, Dwight is representing Canada, so I uh, have every intention of visiting Canada this year. So um, I do want to give a shout out to, for for that. So we've got an international conversation going on here. But Dwight, why don't you you know why don't you take us back because I know that um, there's. A, a story there in your past. I know there was there was even medical conditions, you know, that you had to go through that that was a part of your turning point. But take us back to young Dwight <laughs> and what life was like for you, you know, growing up before you started venturing into becoming an entrepreneur. Sure. Um, growing up was, you know, I had great parents, my dad, business owner, entrepreneur, very, very successful mom, stay at home mom, most of the time helped out dad run the business. You know, I was a typical kid in Canada. Um, You know, we had our different sports that we participated in. Unfortunately, it wasn't as typical as I would have liked. I suffered with um, debilitating asthma, actually. And back in the days when I was a little, little tyke, 
they didn't have things like they have today, rescue inhalers and medications that can help people continue on with sports. Because as a side note, today you'll have people that are in basketball, football, hockey that have asthma, but there's medications that can help control that so they could still perform. So I, at a young age, had to end up quitting sports because my asthma got really bad. Um, Due to the fact that my asthma, I got picked on and bullied a lot. So I, did, I had a very low self-esteem growing up. I didn't think I could, you know, when we were told things by teachers and other students, eventually we start believing it, right? That you're not worthy. You're not going to accomplish nothing. Oh, you know, you're always sick and, it, you know, you could cough right now and die. I heard this most silly things growing up. But one thing it did do for me, it taught me that I needed to be kind um, my mom would always talk to me about it. Very religious, grew up in a Catholic family. And my mom would always say, you know what? You know, you don't know what's going on in their home. And I didn't realize till I was an adult what she was meaning. But she says, you don't know what's going on in their house. Maybe they're being bullied by their parents. Maybe they have a sibling that's bullying them. Maybe they're going through their own challenges and you're just an easy target. So, you know, sometimes I wanted to just scream at them and, you know, <laughs> retaliate. But uh, most times it just, I just sit back and take it, which isn't always a good thing. But as an adult, I look back, it also taught me how to be more resilient and tolerate people that are bullies. We have that a lot in our lives as, as uh, adults. We have adult bullies that try to bully us in our jobs, our careers, clients, the list goes on. So all those trials I went through caused me to be very resilient by the time I hit junior high, I was diagnosed with a uh, degenerative spine disease called scoliosis, which I still suffer from. You know, I'm going to have it the rest of my life, which has caused me health issues upon health issues. I won't get into all the details of what I went through over a three-year period. but So I went from having asthma, which I still have, um, controlled obviously, and to having a degenerative spine disease. Well, just again, now all of a sudden I'm getting picked on because I'm wearing a back brace for over three years into high school. Well, you know what high school kids are like? They're not the most kindest. They're always in their cliques. They bully one another. So once again, I solitude. I stuck with myself. I just avoided people because I was, I was, I felt ashamed of the position I was in. Like, God, what did you do to me? Why am I so broken? I've been going through this since I was in elementary school, like preschool. And yeah, it just taught me by the time I hit, you know, my early, uh, pardon me, my later teens and into adulthood, I just got to a point where I was very reserved, avoided people, but I also had that desire and hunger to want to own my own business because I seen my dad in his business. He owned a farm equipment dealership and how he dealt with clients and how kind he was, but yet he was firm. He also taught me that you can be kind and be blunt, a kind blunt, right? You can be firm with people. Mm-hmm. You can assert your dominance. You don't have to be a jerk. And those that are, are that way eventually won't want to deal with you because you they can't get a rise out of you can't get a reaction so those are the kind of things so that that yin and yang of having a mom that was very religious and very faith-bearing and a dad that was very business orientated and very blunt and compassionately blunt about it molded me and i realized mm-hmm. as i become a business owner when i first started my own company um, as a serial entrepreneur i had owned a computer consulting firm and a retail store i started treating my clients and staff 
the way I always envisioned that people should be treated. Well, I had the example from my dad, right? Did I like everything my parents did? Absolutely not. But in self-reflection, we look at the good, the bad, and the ugly of life, and I figured this is what I want to do. This is how I want to raise my family. This is how I want to, you know, I like this examples that family's always number one, faith, family, work are my three core values. And I ran my first business like that. But then I started having severe health issues because I was a workaholic. I became my dad. I became the person I didn't want to become. I wished he was around more. And all of a sudden, I started working and becoming a workaholic. So I would work literally 70, 80 hour work weeks, right? And just trying to make ends meet, not understanding the rules of the money game. And I ended up getting having a health condition where I ended up not being able to work for a few months, not being able to drive. Um, it's a condition called Bell's palsy. Um, mm-hmm. It's And literally I had paralysis of my face and part of my body. I couldn't function. And that's when I decided I needed to change careers. Part of it was a neurologist and my family doctor saying, you can't do this anymore. You take on too much. You're too, you're too driven and you're taking everything personally. And that's why you are where you're at, the stress levels and everything else. And I wasn't truly present, something we talked about prior to this recording. I wasn't present enough. I'd have, you know, leading up to that, I ended up, I was at that point in time already divorced. Um, I wasn't present. I had my kids half time. I didn't have them full time at that time yet. That's uh, a few years later. And my health was suffering. But when I was with them for for my joint custody, I wasn't constantly present. And what I mean by that, listeners, is we can be physically present with somebody, but our mind is a thousand miles away. And that's what it was. I was worried about Mm -hmm. bills. I was worried about how am I going to pay for this? You know, oh my goodness, this client is upset at me. What am I going to do tomorrow when I get into their in, into their job site? And here's all my little kids sitting there, mm-hmm. right? And, and and a lot of it, it could have been mm-hmm. fixed if I had been helped with my six inches between my ears to learn how to live life on purpose. And it's not just about the numbers. It's about how do I look at things? Am I always looking at things with a glass half empty or half full, Right. They don't necessarily teach that in mm-hmm. school to people. So I started my journey of self-development around um, just a few years prior to that, but I really dived into it and I decided to leave the computer industry when I was reached out by somebody and said, you know what, your life's a disaster, but you're good with people. You're tenacious. You're good at with relationship building. You're compassionate. You need to get into finance and we're going to teach you how to do it. But first off, we're going to help you because you're in desperate need and that's when I first started realizing. Talk about compassionate honesty. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like we were this, just talking about being honest a bit bluntly. That was yeah. a good example. <laughs> and that and that person that said that to me is still a mentor of mine 30 years later um, because he started being a mentor of mine actually prior to me getting into finance and he helped mentor me to get into electronic engineering. He helped me push me into getting into the computer industry that same mentor was again the same mentor that pushed me to getting into finance and moving forward with my life so i ended up getting into finance i you know i learned how to budget i didn't immediately get over that quiet desperation that i talk so much so fondly about with people it's not something you want to live in but i lived in a quiet desperation you know go to bed at night i lived a facade around my kids 
when I was with them, I wasn't completely present. And yeah, so fast forward, got into finance, learned how to, I, I fired my trainer after about six weeks because they were, you know, no offense, they were useless. They were transactional driven, meaning, you know, listeners, they wanted to sell something. They weren't really carried about the, what the person was going through. Whereas I had suffered, I was still suffering and I didn't want to put people through the fact of a non-compassionate, you know, um, journey. So I started learning how to help people goal set and work on their six inches, figuring out their life problems so that I could get to the journey of their finances, because you can help somebody learn how to understand the rules of the money game. But if they can't understand their six inches between their ears, as soon as you walk away, they fall back in their face, you know, three months, nine months, whatever the case may be. They're in the same financial strife. They got no idea what tomorrow is going to hold. They haven't had any plans for, let's say, if they have kids for how are they going to help their kids out in the future? They, don't, they haven't thought anything about their living legacy because nobody's helped adjust their thought process. So I work a lot on that. And it took me years to get to that point because I was a I was a work in progress. I still am now today, not necessarily on the finance side, but I was a work in progress back then to understand what makes people tick. Why do they keep on getting into the circumstances and situations where I am currently living in my quiet desperation? Mm -hmm. So I started reaching out to people and asking questions. Sometimes the best knowledge we can get is asking tons of questions and then shutting up and listening and figuring out what makes people mm -hmm. tick and then applying it against my own life. That's the most, that's the most surreal thing is just sitting back and going, Oh, wow. What they're telling me, I've been living that. And then having realizations throughout that process that I was broken and people don't like that term, but you know what? That's too bad. I was, I was broken. And I started attracting other broken people. The only difference is, is as I was going through my journey of finance and learning how to help people with the relationship building, as opposed to just being a transaction, it was helping me build strength and helping me understand the resolve. So the difference between my clients back when I started and even today, I'm at point Z of the journey. They are point A. I'm just farther ahead in the journey. So I've gone through all the trials and tribulations mm -hmm. along the alphabet, and I need to help them get to where I'm at. And I can do it because they can understand. I can share stories with them. I can be real. And as my clientele base is built, now I have more stories. So I can always have something majority of the time to relate to somebody to help them understand that they're not, you know, there's always hope. That's the thing that's lacking in our world is hope. People have lost the ability to have faith that there's somebody that's going to support them. So what I do is very time consuming, but also very fulfilling. It, it, I can spend 15 hours with somebody before we actually talk about anything to do with physical numbers and how we're going to goal set for their retirement, for their kids' education, for paying for a vacation that's not on a credit card that to take a year to two years to pay off. Now it's all about what are your goals? What do you want to accomplish? Oh, that's unfortunate. You know, in my experience, this is what I've gone through. Or this is what one of my clients went through. And this is what I found by going through these baby steps. We got them to a point where they felt more confident. I don't know how long it's going to take to help you, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. But you know what? I'm here for the journey. If you're willing to be committed, I'm willing to be committed with you. 
and we'll spend 15, sometimes more hours than that, just to get people to a point where they feel confident about their lives. I don't want them to. At my first goal, just as an addition, after the first meeting, I want people to feel, even though their problems aren't fixed, I want them to feel better so they can have finally maybe a good night's sleep, knowing that somebody gives a crap mm-hmm. about their outcome of their life. That isn't just about, you know, press hard three copies. Here's your copy. Here's mine. I'll see you never. I don't want that. And that's what I had experienced yeah. in my life. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have felt in my 30s like I was in quiet desperation, drowning. Right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, Dwight. This is this is incredible, your story. And I, I really love what you said about just being at different points in the journey. And, you know, one of the, the, the things that I had learned, I went to a business um, seminar and the person that was leading the seminar said, our life is always, always looks like that. We're at a certain point where we have the opportunity for the people that are behind us to mentor them. And then the people that are in front of us, we have an opportunity to learn from them. And that really in its most simple format is what we're all here doing in community. And I think the sooner we figure out that we are in community, the faster that we can get to this place of compassion over competition and really helping each other in an authentic way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to, I want to come, yeah, I want to come back to, you know, your own, because before you got to the place where you were helping others do what you do, you had to face your own story, you know, back when you were given the feedback, like, Hey, this is a hot mess. We're going to figure this out. And then we're going to get, we're going to get you going. What was that self-reflection for you what was it that was that wake-up call that said yes this is what this looks like and now this is the action i'm going to take for my situation for my children and i'm going to change the decision of having meandering thoughts and being distant to being present right now like what were those things in front of you there there was quite a few emotional changes along the journey I think the biggest thing is when I was struck down with Bell's palsy and I couldn't drive for quite a few months, I couldn't work in my consulting business. I had to rely on other people to bring me my kids for my joint custody. I had to have other people drive me to get groceries. I was completely helpless. I wasn't bringing in the amount of income. It got so bad. I was robbing Peter to pay Paul. Um, I'd pay one utility bill until the other one would force me disconnection and then I'd start paying them and I'd go back and forth. And I was a six figure income earner and I didn't know where my money was at. Yes. I had lots of expenditures with five kids. Um, you know, it's, it's life, but the problem is I wasn't living a controlled life. So when I had a friend of mine and his wife, all of a sudden one day I had my kids ding dong, I opened the door. And I've never told anybody on a podcast this. I opened the door and they had bags and like boxes full of food for me. She had cooked a bunch of uh, food and casseroles and dishes and frozen things. Some of them weren't frozen so we could eat that night. It was so humbling. And also it was very, um, I don't know if I want to say embarrassing, but it was just, a. it was really a wake up call. Like where the beep beep am I at in life? That, you know, I have a successful so-called air quotes for the listeners, successful business, yet 
I'm living from hand to hand to mouth. And it was a giant wake up call. So when my friend called and said, you know, you're a hot mess, I was kind of prepared for it, but I kind of wasn't. It was, you know, I was angry at first, but that's how, that was one of the most pivotal things in my life to, you know, have somebody bring food to your house. And I, you know, it was just one of my close friends. I just had a conversation. It goes to show the compassionate nature of the people we attract in our lives. They just knew. And over the years after the fact, as my life became stable, they had some tough times. And then I, you know, paid it forward back to the same people that supported me. And I have many times over the years supported others because sometimes, you know, we can't see the forest for the trees and we need our friends and family to be self-aware of their own circumstances by looking at our circumstances and saying, Hey, we got it so much better. Let's take some food to this person. Let's give them a tank of gas. Let's do something kind for them. So that's, that was probably one of the most pivotal moments. And then again, got into finance, ended up being tenacious to learn. Well, you know what, how life is. I got to be very successful. uh, One of the top producers in North America, not just Canada, for finance and got went to Vegas quite a few times got a, you know awards given to me and stuff but yet I fell back into that complacency of life and what I mean by that is all of a sudden I was had enough money I was paying the bills I was doing this and doing that and but it all of a sudden hit me one day when I actually I'd stopped budgeting for myself I was being a hypocrite. I had taught my clients how to do it. I had been doing it myself for years, but all of a sudden the money wasn't that tough to get. I became complacent and I slipped back into the valley of despair. I went back Mm. into that quiet desperation and 2008 was probably the worst year of my life when the financial sector crashed in North America and in really the world, what happened to my industry went into the toilet. Guess what Mm. else happened in 2008? I got all my kids full time. I got full-time custody of my kids and spent the next three years in court fighting to remove their, their mother's parental rights. And I got full, ended up by 2011, got full parental rights. But meanwhile, three years, the markets were down. I wasn't bringing in a lot of income and I was back to paying the bills, one utility company over the other. It was just, it was a horrible way to live and then living a facade. So I didn't have my, my four daughters and my son worried about money. Laying in bed at night, quiet desperation, quiet, uh, lots of nights crying, waking up, having to look at myself in the mirror, force myself to smile so that I could go out of that room and go, hi, kids, you know, here, yeah, let's, here's your lunches, let's get going, let's take you to school, because all of a sudden, I had them full time, no financial support oh. from their mother, and, and it was tough. Oh. Dwight, here's the thing, and I just want to pause you for a second. Sorry. Yeah. Is that there there are people listening right now that this is the point that they can resonate with the most. Because life isn't roses and rainbows. And it, it is those moments of quiet desperation that we've all had. And and sometimes it comes when we when we don't expect it because things are going well and then something happens a curveball happens life happens and there are other people that you're living for you do want to show up for them you want to put your best foot forward but in the quiet depths of despair you feel alone you feel scared you feel worried you feel nervous about the future you you don't want others to to bear the burden that you have that you're feeling when you put your head down at night probably having 
no good sleep, tossing and turning, you know, I mean, that's something that people experience and don't talk about. Even, even sometimes are the people that they're the closest to because it feels shameful because it feels hard and they don't want other people to worry about them. They don't want to feel like the friend's going to come to the door and give you the food and the casseroles and the frozen stuff because they, they just feel like it's their responsibility. So I just want to acknowledge that because I know that in times like that, it does feel alone. And so if you're listening, you're, you're, you know, we're, we're in good company in times of hardship. It's just that we don't talk about it. Right. And then, and on social media, it's the highlight reel of all, all of the most joyful moments, all of the celebratory moments, not, you know, people saying the real things that are going on behind the scenes. So I just want to acknowledge that because, you know, people are listening going, holy crap, that is me or that was me at some point, you know? So thank you for sharing that and, and, you know, and, and, and keep going, you know, so then yeah. what, you know, what, so, what, is the, what do you do well, from there? And I recently just, I was in the U S just recently in uh, Salt Lake and spoke on stage about it. And 2008, like I said, was one of the worst years of my life, but I had to reset. I had to look back and think to myself, what have I done for my clients? How do they help them? Quit being a hypocrite. How did I help them? What did you do? Start following your own advice. And how did you make them feel better? So I had to start working on my six inches again. Because as I said, if you don't have a strong why, what, why do you want to accomplish this? What do you want to do? Where do you want to be? What legacy are you? What's your living legacy? What do you want people to see that's genuine and honest. So I had to self-analyze my life and say, hey, this is who I have been. This is who I still want to be. I've allowed myself to get sucked into the valley of despair, suck it up. And I did. I started, um, it was just, it didn't, it was a slow process. I won't say it was quick and even just like helping my clients. I had to help myself, but I had to be honest with myself. I had to start sharing with other people, as you mentioned, because it is embarrassing. It really is, especially when you're a finance dude and I'm speaking on stages and I'm teaching people, I'm doing workshops and I have lots of people saying, hey, thank you for changing our lives. Meanwhile, I let my life slide back. So it was very embarrassing. I just started being humble and honest with people and the odd person that would say something rude. I just look at them. You're right but I've changed. I'm going, you know, I, I, I stumbled, I fell and I'm back on the journey of heading up and climbing. I'm not camped anymore. And I had to get myself, I had to go through debt consolidation. I had to do debt roll-ups, all the strategies to help my clients with, I had to apply to myself. So it was very humbling. And how I did that is I looked at one of my most successful client couples and I'll just, their names aren't going to be their real names, John and Sally. And that's what my speech is about. And it basically talks about the fact that everybody lives a facade. They were friends of mine for just about 10 years before I started helping them. When I got into their life, I opened up the door and I walked into the facade of their life and realized that their life wasn't all rosy, that they were on the verge of getting divorced, their financial strife. And their kids had already grown up. They were an older couple compared to me, 10, 12 years older. And I basically thought, how did I help them? How did I change their lives? Ooh, 
I helped them goal set. I helped them realize what they wanted. I got to do that again for myself. We have to, I have to have a check-in process because today's not the same as what it's going to be five years from now, 10 years from now. I had to self-reflect, check in with myself, goal set again, do some debt consolidation and get my life back on track. Meanwhile, don't forget financial markets still crashed. My income would literally was cut in half for over three years. So I had to do a lot of juggling. I had to do eat a lot of humble pie. I had to, you know, shuffle things around and I lived in debt for quite a few years. It took me a long time till my kids um, started becoming older to get myself out of that circumstance. The difference is, is now I'm living my life on purpose again, not by accident, which has been my mantra for 19 years and, and what my book's about too and how I teach people you know, my whole book is about my origin and everything I've talked about is a lot more in detail in that book, but it's all the way up to where I am today. So in 2008, I got my kids, 2011, I was awarded custody of them, control of their whole lives, started rebuilding my life um, over that period of time and haven't stopped since. Fast forward, when's my next pivotal moment? 2000. What happened in 2000? The pandemic. I was coasting again. I wasn't in the same circumstance financially in quiet desperation, but I was coasting. I was just satisfied. I was just, you know, on the railroad track, a flat railroad track, just chugging along like the little engine that could. But if I would have hit a hill and valley going up the hill, I wouldn't have been, I think I can, I think I can. It would have been like, I would have gone back down the hill. I didn't have any momentum in life anymore. It wasn't just financial. It was just emotional. So, March of 2020, we had the pandemic hit. I think the biggest pivot for me is I found a new mentor. Uh, Tony Watley's his name. He's an amazing man. And Tony encouraged. Oh my gosh. Tony, Tony Watley and I are on a board for an organization called Hashtag I Can Help that my friend Kim Carr runs. So yeah. Tony and I are. Tony, I was just with Tony about three weeks ago in Tucson. He's a good friend of mine now. We've become really good friends. His advanced events, yeah, three sixty five advanced, yeah. If you want to go to it, you want to go to driven. You want to go to any of his events? He has the. I've been to over one hundred and fifty to two hundred conferences in my life, and he puts on the best events ever. They're small, they're personable. But anyway, Tony and I are good friends. I belong to one of his masterminds as well. But anyway, Tony said to me, I had met him through an organization called Arte Syndicate, which I was involved with. I just recently resigned from it. I, I didn't see any point of it anymore. I get too much from Tony and his group. Uh, Tony's amazing. But he challenged us. He says, March 1st of 2020. So this is just before the lockdown. He says, I want you guys to do videos. I said, videos? He said, yep. And he says, meanwhile, Two weeks prior to that, he started an organization called the 365 Driven Society. So 365 Driven existed. His side hustle millionaire book had come out. And he said to me, he says, yeah, we're going to, here's a group. You guys can be one of the founding members. Here's what it costs to get in. And part of that group, though, is March 1st, we're starting these video challenges. So I misunderstood. I thought we had to do live videos after day one. I did a recorded video. And I had somebody reach out to me from the group saying, hey, they have to be live. I never checked with Tony. I trusted this person in the group. So since March 2nd of 2020, listeners, I have not missed a live video. I have been doing live videos every single day, every single day. I'm not, I have not missed a day since March 2nd of 2020. 
March 1st, I did a recorded one every day after that I've done um, recorded Tony or pardon me live. So Tony reached out to us end of March. Who's going to do another 30. Then it was another 30. He says, who can do it for a year? And I said, pick me. I'll do it. I'm a tenacious person. I'm not a quitter. And it's been well more than a year. I'm 600 and whatever, 40 some videos in. Um, I left all the competition. Not that I was competing with anybody but myself, but I was the only person in his group in the 365 group that's still doing videos um, like a year, more than a year and a half later. And it gave me confidence again in my life. It gave me something to hang on to, especially when the pandemic hit. Tony would have calls on the weekends where we could all jump on and have a coffee or a drink. And we talk about personal things, business things. He was just, he was an anchor for us because he's such a kind and gentle man, but he's also very blunt. He's very compassionately blunt, which is a good thing. And yeah, I just kept on pushing forward. He helped me with my rebranding, the creation of my give a heck brand by associating me with some good people. Um, helped me find somebody, the same person that helped him publish his book, his uh, side hustle millionaire helped me publish my give a heck book. Um, so that launched this year. I created my podcast November last year. That was because of somebody else. He directed me to a lady by the name of Patty Catter. Um, and it's just been, yeah, just my whole life has been about, you know, I get camped, but God brings me people that are, that are supportive or he brings things around me and I just have to be self-aware you know, the great podcasts, the books I listen to, just, you know, taking all that clutter, um, correcting my associations, not hanging around depressed people that are always boo-hoo, woo-hoo, people that are always trying to level up. They're vulnerable with me. They're struggling, but this is what they found has helped them. This is what mm -hmm. they're doing now. And yeah, so that's where I am today. You know, the pandemic for some was a curse. For me, it was in some ways a blessing. It helped me focus. I was locked up in my house. None of my kids were living with me at the time. Now I have two of them moved back, but I was on my own, just my dog and I. And every day I'd wake up and and my drive was, oh, okay, I got I to gotta keep on chugging along. I'm a little engine that could. I'm not going to be that little engine that hits the railroad track where it's going up a hill and I can't make it. I refuse to die with mm -hmm. the music inside of me. It's remarkable. Oh, it's remarkable. And I, I just love that you talk about the importance of surrounding yourself with people who are influencing you in a positive way, because that is a choice that we make. We, we are influenced by the people we spend the most time with, and we have always the opportunity to learn. And you are very intentional about doing that, saying that it was time for you to get a new mentor you know, putting people in your community that even when you're down can pull you back up. And I do want to acknowledge your book for a minute, just to, to call that out. You've said it, but I want for the listeners to hear it's called Give a Heck, How to Live a Life on Purpose and Not by Accident. I want to know after you shared that with the world, because that is a big thing to come up with a book, to share your story, to be vulnerable and talk about all the things that you've been highlighting here on this podcast. Um, what was the reception like? What kind of feedback that did you get? And what what has it been now since you've come out with the book? Are you I might cry. I might cry. I, I'm inspired, now? but I might cry telling <laughs> you some of the things that have happened since the book come out. The book was launched on the day of the anniversary. 
of my granddaughter passing away. Uh, sorry. So March 5th of this year, <coughs> excuse me, my book launched. And, you know, strange things happen. Originally, I was going to launch it on another day. And when I was talking to Tony, who are good friends, he says, you should launch it on the 5th. I know it's going to be tough, but what better day than to remember your granddaughter? Because, you know, the forward of the book is done by Tony. If you see on my book, it says Tony Watley did the forward of my book. Um, I actually did the, uh, well, I'm trying to think of the word, when I actually, you know, um, presented the book or did an acknowledgement, I talk about my granddaughter in there. So my book came out on March 5th. And it went number one within a few hours in four different categories, which was remarkable. And I've had so many good responses to it. I've had people from Tony's group, from other, I belong to a few different groups um, where I get help. I believe we need different areas of our life to, you know, don't always believe one thing, always double check others. So I belong to one more than one mastermind to help me with different areas. And that book Literally, I've had people reach out from different groups saying, you know what, this chapter, for an example, chapter six, which is all about just learning how to goal set using the smart principles, which anybody can find. But I actually make it I and I don't want to offend people, but I dumb it down because I used to be confused by it. So I wrote the book based on somebody being in eighth grade. Why? Because sometimes twenty dollar words don't help people. People want to be you to be real, sincere and vulnerable. And that's why. I, I, I tell you, I rewrote so many parts of that book and the editor was dri <laughs> the editor was driving me crazy. I was driving them crazy. Ended up getting a second editor because I didn't like how the first one edited it. And anyway, it was it, because it's me. It's my genuine, authentic self I'm putting out there. But it helped people. I had one person reach out to me saying, um, I forget which chapter it was. I talk about just the surface of how budgeting works. And they said that made a difference. The most important story, though, that I'll tell your listeners and you, um, you know, that book, I got reached out by a friend of mine. His name's Mike Weller. Mike owns a business in the U.S. and he's very famous, like very successful part of me, business owner. He reached out and he sent me a picture. And I, I, I'm going to, it's around August, September. And he says, Dwight, you know, you don't know me that well. We know one another, but I'd like to get to know you better. But here, here's a picture that you need to see. And it's a picture of a home theater room with a giant ass screen. And guess who's on the screen? Because my podcast is on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. People can watch my podcast. And there's me interviewing somebody and his daughter, his high school grade his daughter is sitting there watching it. And I remembered a post from Mike back in March saying, congratulations on the book. I ordered two copies. And I knew who he was, but I didn't really know him. Well, fast forward, he sends me this picture. Just so you know. So I started messaging him and I said, what's going on? He says, I come home and my daughter didn't know I was standing behind her. I took this picture. Just so you know, I should have told you a while ago, you have changed her life in a lot of ways that she thinks. When I bought your book back in March, I give one to her and one was for me. She finished your book shortly after the fact. It's highlighted. It's dog-eared. It's marked up. And she just absolutely loves you. And I said, Wow. And how old is she? I think she was 17 at the time, 16, 17. And I said to her, I said, well, so what, what was, what has she said? He says, well, he said, we don't really talk about it. She just enjoys watching. Your, she told me she watches your podcast. She prefers to watch over listen. 
She loved your book. A few weeks later, he sends me another message. And this one's going to floor you because it made me cry. He sends me this. He says, Dwight, just wanted to let you know. And I'm trying to think of her name. I'm sorry. It slips my mind. She wrote an article. And here's a link to it for her school newspaper about her two favorite authors. One of them's you. I opened this link and I started reading it. And oh my gosh, I was just bawling my ass off. It was just like, wow, a high school age kid. I'm in my 50s and she can relate to my journey, (laughs) my story. She watches my podcast. Oh my gosh. So I reached out to this young girl and I said, hey, can I share this link? Can I talk about you? It was, And it's not to, it's just so we can connect with more people because young people out there, I've been that young person, you know, quiet desperation happens at any age. And a lot of young people, the schools are failing them and teaching them how to goal set, how to live a life on purpose, because I never learned that stuff. So if my book and my podcast can help a young person, so I reached out to her and she said, absolutely. Communicated with her a couple times and I told her for the rest of your life, you will never, ever, ever have to pay for if, if my services, my lifestyle coaching, my finance coaching. You want to lean on somebody. You want somebody that's going to be compassionate but will help you, can guide you to other people that can help you. I'm here for you forever. I said, because you've touched me. Joy, that is one of the most powerful stories that I've ever heard on my show that's talk about paying it forward you know here you are finding a mentor for you and you've now given the gift of mentorship to a young person can you imagine the difference it would have made in your life or mine if at 17 18 years old we had a mentor we're reading books well the podcasts weren't really a thing when i was that age but you know there's so much in terms of resources and that's it's incredible that you've done that for her wow i'm 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 so impressed so i do have to ask because now people they've heard your story they're listening to you and um <clears throat> you know you have spent like I said, nearly two decades in this in this finance industry, you know, what what are some of the basic things that you can tell people right now? If for anybody who's struggling, for everyone that's saying, you know what, it's a new year, I'm ready for a change and I'm serious about it. I know that I've been in the valley of despair. I have not taken control of my finances in the way that I should, but to be honest, I'm not even sure where to get started. I'm, I'm like overwhelmed. What, what, what would you say to somebody that is at that place where they're ready and, and it's time to take some action to take control of their financial situation? Well, the biggest thing is though, is in order to take care of your finances is the first thing that you have to be aware of is what you just said. You got to be willing. You have to understand you have a problem. You can't be in, you can't live in denial any anymore. And then you need to find somebody that can help you. You can certainly reach out to myself. There's many good people, excuse me, in my finance industry. My industry is kind of broken, though. They're all transactional. doesn't matter where you go, whether it's a bank or a private financial person. Most people are transactional. So you need to find somebody that's going to help you goal set. And, that, and people say, well, how does goal setting help? 
Well, do you know what you want? Do you know how you got where you are at? So you have to have some awareness of how you got to that position. And then you have to understand what do I want? Well, if one of your goals is to get out of debt, because I have goal sheets I go through with people, then we figure out, okay, well, what caused you to get in debt? So you have to think to yourself, what, what are my habits? When I'm depressed, am I one of those people that spends to feel better? Guess what that does? Puts you farther in debt, right? Am I the type of person that dreams about going on vacation? Do I know how I'm going to get on vacation? Finally, my kids are always saying, hey, my friends are going here and there. When can we go somewhere, mom and dad? Or if you're a single parent, you know, God bless you because I've been there. Um, bottom line, you just you, you have to have somebody that's going to be compassionate to find out the root of what got you where you're at. And once you understand that, then you start understanding the rules of the money game and how do I get rid of this debt? How do I free up things like workshop series that I do with people actually talks about how to increase um, your cash flow and, you know, and how do you do that? Well, understanding that difference between needs and a want. So I'll tell you, here's something very simple for you. When you think of something versus a need versus a want, if your car breaks down and it's your only mode of transportation and you only have credit to spend, that's a need. You want to put a fancy stereo in your card and you don't have the money and you put it on credit, you've done a want. You didn't need it. And a lot of people in society today live in a world of wants, not needs. And it's okay to want things once your needs are fulfilled. And in order to get out of debt and you're living in that quiet desperation, you need to understand the fact that, you know, where are my where's my financial situation? How am I going to get out of it? Okay, let's look all my bills. So I go through people, all their bills. And I'm not talking traditional person. How do they budget? They take an envelope and they write a few things down. And they think they're budgeting. I make them budget everything, their haircuts, their savings for a vacation. We put all these entry points in. What's your inflows of cash? Here's your outflows. Do you see the problem? I make it very visual for them in a simple Excel spreadsheet, the same one I've been using for 19 years. I just had it uh, had it updated. I hired somebody because I don't want to do that stuff anymore in regards to programming or spreadsheet work. I just want to utilize it as a tool. Now I got it so it's got a, an actual pie chart on there and a graph. And it'll actually show you if you have any sliver of savings or if you're in the negative. Because I want people mm -hmm. to be... It's going to sound harsh, but if you're not disturbed, you're not going to change. When life is comfortable, you never get ahead. Success is um, always outside of your comfort zone. Always, right? You have to be outside your comfort zone. So I try to utilize the goal setting to the budgeting sheet to make people understand that you can succeed, but you have to have some structure and you have to have a mentor that's going to push you to get to that point. So, you know, there's people out there like me, or you can even reach out to me, check out my website, you can DM me, I will have a call with you, I will help you on the road to success. You know, just say what where you heard about this, and I'll help you for nothing. No problem. Right? I don't want people to live in quiet desperation. No, no. And, and it shouldn't be that way. And, and I, you're so spot on in terms of awareness, because if you don't know where you are, you won't get to where you want to be, but you have to be able to face that. You know, 
I am religious about looking at the pie chart every month, and I know exactly what percentages are in all the different places from charity to taxes to insurance to, you know, all the little nitty gritty things. Because when you know the science of what you're working with and where everything's flowing, you can accelerate that. You can make decisions. You can make investments that are smarter and you can, you know, increase your passive income and, and get to those places. But you have to know where you're starting. Well, and you can hit a, You can hit a pandemic and actually survive. Right. Well, and, and right. I think that, you know, I, I understand that it, it that it's scary sometimes just, lo you know, looking like, you know, you, you said it, looking in the mirror or just looking at reality is something that sometimes we don't want to face because we already know what it's probably going to show us. But the only way to change it is to look it dead on in the face. Right. Absolutely. It's you know what? It, it's so humbling though when you actually have to admit that you're messed up in your in your life right it doesn't mean that you have to stay messed up but sometimes sugarcoating it like our family or friends will go oh that's okay Dwight. you'll be fine things will work out you know what things don't just work out unless you're you have abc in your life again back to tony what he teaches your action belief and consistency you have to take action you have to have belief that you can change your financial structure that you eventually can a little bit of hope right and have faith that there's going to be people that are going to help you be consistent with it create a structure of ha habits so that you can live a life consistent does that mean you might not slide back once in a while hey pick me i've been there right i was honest with you i've been there right? But you'll always have the tools. And if you keep the right associations and mentors in your life, you will always succeed. You'll always have people that are going to help you. You know what? That's too bad that happened, Dwight. What are you going to do about it? Not, oh, poor Dwight. You know, we don't need that in right. life. We need, we need people that are going to be compassionate and empathetic, but also mm -hmm blunt and push us to always be successful to be outside of our comfort zone because really when you think about it living in a comfort zone is boring it really is <laughs> right. nobody wants to wake up and live in a comfort zone especially when we have this much limited time on the planet there's a guarantee and it's that we have an expiration date and by golly we're not going to be here being boring, right? I mean, nobody nobody wants that. People want to be able to talk about their life later with some excitement and some enthusiasm, you know? And so I'm, I'm just so grateful to be able to have an honest conversation with you to say that we, we get there, we get into the valley of despair, but the difference between those who get out of it is the desire to take action, do something different, but then not only that, the word you used is so important and it's consistency, you know, <laughs> that discipline because anybody can do something once, right? We can wake up and eat a healthy meal and then go back tomorrow and, you know, eat ice cream for breakfast, which I've done before. <laughs> Not lately, but, you know, it's happened. But, you know, so it's, it's that's really okay. That's okay. That's okay. You know, I mean. Is it Just being honest? We're in the honesty vanilla, circle here. Vanilla ice cream, or are you a specialty ice cream? 
<laughs> I mean, the last time it was cookies and cream. So it's like vanilla ice cream with, with some extras in there, some cookies Perfect. going on. You know, sometimes we, we need a little extra, but it's, but it's just honest. And we, we can fall out so easily of, of the, of the good habits that we form. Right. And I, and I love, cause I, I've learned from others, you know, through mentorship and just listening to, to podcasts and, and I love the saying, um, Luke mind power. I met through, uh, Lewis Howe's event. And one of the things that he said in an interview with him was there's a devil at every level. There's a devil at every level. You know, J when you get to a certain point of growth, there's, there's always something that can bring you down or get you out of your habits. And so we're, no matter who you are, even Oprah Winfrey, or, you know, some of the people that have mastered this, this world of mindset and, you know, habits fall out of it and do the thing that they're constantly pushing themselves not to do. But that's what makes us human. And we do need to eat a humble pie probably more often than we think, oh, you know, absolutely. because the biggest thing that gets in our way is ego, pride, getting up on that high horse and not feeling, not knowing what it feels like to have your feet on the ground. And I think, think that's thinking we've arrived, part. thinking we've arrived and <laughs> yeah. that we don't need to work anymore. And that's how most yeah. of our societies become. You haven't arrived. Mm -hmm. You live in the present day. There's I don't no think we ever arrive. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. Tomorrow, yeah. You know, tomorrow is another day. Live today is the present and learn. And I coach people on this and talk about it quite frequently. Learn to live a life where you never have a bad day. And people say, well, that's impossible. No, it's not. Have bad moments within your day. And then learn specific things to get give time yourself out. As an adult, as a kid who likes time out. As an adult, I love being timed out. Time me out. Hey, come on, put me on, <laughs> put me on the bench, Cole. Time me out. I, yeah, I'm I need a break. This negative train. Yeah, I need you to. You're so right, though. Do, I need to do things, and that's what I do. I do specific processes, and I coach people how to do it themselves, so that you literally never have a bad day ever again. You have bad moments in your day. You need to give yourself a t time frame to that you're allowed to have that bad moment. And within that bad moment, you're doing realization, self-reflection, you're listening to podcasts or books, or you're reaching out to a mentor and you're, you're doing some temporarily vent, venting to that person. And you know, you're going to get some real good responses that are going to help level you back up so you can continue on having a good day and get over that bad moment. Dwight, that right there, it's like a piece of gold <laughs> in this podcast episode, I'm telling you, right there, because there's so many people that are, are saying like, oh, I'm in a streak. It's been terrible. I only have bad days. The, the black cloud of despair is following me around, raining all over my parade. And it doesn't have to be that way. It You're doesn't right, have it to doesn't. be that way. We can change with the mindset. That's amazing. So I want to spend this last few minutes. Um, sure. It's, you know, it's a new year. So I've got, I got some new questions, but I want to take an opportunity to ask you just a couple questions for people to kind of get to know you better. Um, you know, if, if it is the first time that you're tuning into my podcast, you know, my, my mantra is to be unapologetically you. 
And I think that we're all uniquely who we are. It's not, you know, our mission to go be like the next person, but just lean more into our authenticity. And so I like people to just learn about each other. So my first question for you, now, you know, being in the a new year is, um, if you had to choose a word for the year, what would that word be? Like, what is this word that would inspire you that when you woke up and when you went to bed at night, it is something that would keep you going and keep you on the right path of consistency and all the good things we just talked about? Oh my gosh, I have lots of words. <laughs> I think the th word that would keep totally me going in 20, 2022, the word that I, two words popped into my head, but I'll say the one, passion. I want to always have passion because when I stop having passion, how can I fulfill the purpose? How can I live life on purpose and not by accident and not live on a hamster wheel if I don't have passion? And I'm not saying passion just for me. I'm talking passion for the human condition to serve others, to just be the best version of myself. Yeah. Oh, I love that word. That word is magical passion. Okay. What's one thing that's on your bucket list that you want to do in this lifetime? Go to Egypt. Even though I've been told that's kind of, kind of, you know, it's, I didn't realize until Tony actually showed me a bunch of pictures of how dirty Egypt is. I, I feel sorry for yeah. people in Egypt. I did not realize that, but that's always been a bucket list item of mine to go to the pyramids. And, you know, I love history. I love art. I spent, you know, I've been to Greece a couple of years ago in 2019 for a couple of weeks. I loved going to all the archaeological digs, the museums, the art galleries, the military museums. A few years prior to that, I was in the Middle East and then went to Jordan and Petra. I love history. I love, you know, I love understanding the origin, which we talked about. So it makes sense that I like seeing the origin of other countries. So I really want to go to Egypt in my lifetime. Uh, I don't know why I just always thought about that. If you had asked me this a few years ago, it would have been Greece. Well, that's been checked off, right? Few so, years prior was yeah. the middle, few years prior was the Middle East. I wanted to go to Israel and to Jordan, which I accomplished, traveled. So yeah, Egypt. Boom. I love that. Okay, this is a recycled question because you know I'm I'm all about crushing our self-limiting beliefs. So I've got to ask you, what is one that you've had that you've had to overcome? A self-limiting belief that I've had to overcome. That is a great question. Um I think one of the self-limiting beliefs that I had was, am I enough? Right? I've had that self-limiting belief most of my life, and it still creeps in. Am I enough? Am I doing enough for my, you know, again, I live three core values, which we never, I touched on, faith, family, and work in that order. Am I doing enough for God? Am I being the servant of God that he wants me to be? For those listeners that aren't God-fearing, that's fine. I don't, you can be whatever you are. That's who I am. That's my unique identity. And am I doing enough for God? And then next, am I doing enough for my family? Right? Am I, am I enough for them? And then lastly, my work. Am I doing everything I can to help out those around me so that they're not living in that life that I've 
feared so many times and had to climb out of and level up and you know am i doing enough in those three areas so basically yeah am i doing enough am i enough mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well then and then on the other side of that what have you appreciated that you might call a superpower of yours now you know coming away from this self-limiting belief what have you actually leaned into and said yes this is this is my superpower this is what i live every day i love you brought that up back in about 20 i want to say 2019 uh a person that, who's a person that i know you probably heard his name before ed Milet. ed Milet had a post and the post was what is your superpower and Ed, Ed knows who I am because of Arte, and I knew him in the finance industry for the last 19 years. I've seen him at, on many stages, companies hire him to come speak and stuff. And I reached out to Ed in that post for Instagram, and I got screenshots of it still today. And I said, Ed, and he had probably a few hundred comments. And I said, Ed, my superpower is empathy. And he responded to it a few seconds later, because Ed does at that time, he was doing a lot of his own social media before he hired a team. And he said to me, he says, mm -hmm. Dwight, that is the first time ever that anybody's ever told me that they think empathy is a superpower. That's bang on. Why do you think that? And so I went on to respond to that comment. But the reason I think empathy is a superpower is the fact that when my kids were growing up, especially after they moved in with me, I could feel my daughter's hurt two floors. Like I could be in the basement. They'd be two stories up. I could feel, I could never understand why I'd be around certain people. And I'd come home feeling so drained and why I'd, I could sit and help people feel better about their circumstances. Even though my circumstances were sucking right then in that, my life, I was always <laughs> able to pick up on other people's <laughs> energies and help repair their their state of mind, even if it was only a temporary reprieve where they felt good for a few minutes. So mm -hmm. I understood mm -hmm. that when I got into finance and I wanted to help people out, that I couldn't figure out why I was able to connect with people. And it was probably, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I started um, following, I can't even remember the person's name now, it just slips my mind. And I started understanding empathy and I started researching it and I thought, oh my gosh, I've got empathy. I'm an empath. <laughs> and that's kind of awakening. Yeah, it was. It was a severe awakening. <laughs> and then with Ed with Ed confirming that through that comment, because I do appreciate who he is, um, it just cemented it. That's my superpower. My superpower is the ability to to understand and look at people's body language their eyes their tonality and i've been practicing it ever since i realized i had empathy i didn't realize again until a few years ago that it was a superpower for me i've always worked at that i've worked at mm -hmm. the fact of watching people's facial expressions are they leaning into me are they leaning back are their mm -hmm. arms crossed what are their eyes telling me that's another thing as a side note, the pandemic's been awesome for me to work on people's eyes and understanding their eyes more than anything because I can't see their mouth, right? So that's what I basically has been my superpower and it still is. And I'm going to continue to work on it till I take my last breath because I believe we're on this earth to serve others. And the more we serve others and understand how they tick, the more the universe gives you back what you need to tick. That is beautiful from one empath 
to another. I have so much respect for everything you do. And I know how much energy, you know, it is, and it all comes from a great, a great place. So before I ask you how people can reach you, I have to ask, you know, what's one last piece of advice that you might give my listeners? Well, the last piece of advice that I give your listeners is that never think you're alone. In your darkest hour, people feel like there's nobody there that can listen, right? They can scream into a room of people and nobody will turn around to look at them. You're not there. You're never there. There's always somebody out there. You're just so, you might be so much into quiet desperation and hurt that you can't see the fact that, or hear the fact that somebody has said something to you that's been, you know, hey, Sally, this is where you're at. And you're, you know, I can hear some pain. If you ever want to talk, you know, reach out to me. Guess what? Not everybody's just saying those mechanical words. There's a lots of people out there that actually mean what they say, right? They actually do what they say. And if mm-hmm. somebody, you know, if you don't have anybody to reach out to, again, reach out to myself or you can probably reach out to uh, Coach Des. You know, there's people out there that are willing to support and listen to you because we know what it's like to feel, you know, like we're in the valley of despair and nobody's listening. And then if we shout, nobody will turn around and, and acknowledge mm-hmm. that we exist, you are worthy. Every single one of you out there that are listening to this, you're worthy. You deserve greatness in your life. Don't feel like you're all alone. Reach out to somebody. And this might be sensitive. If you're at a point where you think that life isn't worth it, reach out to somebody that's a professional ASAP. I've had clients like that. You don't have to feel like nobody cares. I'll telling you right now, I've never met you. And I care. Thank you so much for that, Dwight. That means that means a lot. It really, really does. So, you know, there there are people listening that might want to just continue to learn from you. They may even want to ask you a couple questions about finances and follow the work you're doing. How can they do that? Uh, best place to reach out to me is on my website. It's just giveaheck.com. So just like it sounds, giveaheck.com. You can access my portals on there for um, my finance side. You can access my book portal. There's my podcast. If you actually would like to have my book um, for free and just pay the shipping costs, you can go to dwightheck.com forward slash giveaheck. And you can actually uh, book an appointment through that. You can order my book, just pay the shipping costs, and I will send you an autographed book. Um, and you can book an appointment with me, Coffee with Dwight. And we can talk about whatever's on your mind and you know, and help you realize what I already know about you and you don't even know me, that you're worthy. Oh, man, that is so amazing. I could not have asked for a more fulfilling hour, <laughs> Dwight, really, you know, with, with all of the busyness in the days that, you know, you have, I have, and anybody listening has, you know, you, you've taken an hour to, to listen to Dwight and I, and we've had this conversation. I, I, I'm so present and I'm so grateful for this because, you know, it's conversations like this that are what keep me going. 
and remind me back, you know, into my purpose, just like you said, which is something I think we share together, which is service. You know, the, the moment that I recognized that life was bigger than myself was the moment that my life changed <laughs> forever. I've always known it. I've always lived it in some way, but I think it, it wasn't until I leaned into it fully that I've, I've seen um, how much more joy and fulfillment that I've been able to achieve and, and accomplish in life because of that. So you certainly remind me of that. And I feel thank that you. empathic energy. So thank you for your time and for your grace and for your honesty and vulnerability today. It means a lot. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. And, and uh, I appreciate you. And yeah, 2022 is just another stepping stone to greatness for us to serve and help others. And, you know, the world takes care of those that take care of others. So. Absolutely. Awesome. Dwight Heck, the entrepreneur, the empath, amazing conversation and it's phenomenal what he's done in the financial industry in terms of building relationships and doing something that is so difficult because finances are this intimate space that people make tough decisions about and because he builds trust with them he's able to change their lives so there's so much that i got out of today's time with dwight but there's a couple of things that I want to call out in hopes that it will inspire you in your life today. And it will inspire you to share this episode with someone today. The first thing is self-awareness and eating a slice of humble pie. What is it in your life right now, in this new year, that you need to dig a little deeper in to gain a better self-awareness of in your life. Is it your finances? Is it your relationships? Is it your purpose? What is that thing that you need to spend more time looking at yourself and looking at the mirror, mirror and being brutally honest? We all have and at moments suffer from what Dwight was talking about, which is our facade. Our ego, our pride gets the best of us. We always wanna show our best face, right? Because it's what feels good. It's what gets perceived good. It's what inspires other people. But the reality is that it's not always that way. There's moments when we need support, when we need help, when we need guidance, and when we don't have all the answers. If we don't take a moment to do what he was talking about that he had to do with himself, which is doing a gut check, we're so able to do that with others, to give that energy and to give that intensity and to give that time to other people to help solve those problems and be there. What about you? Have you given yourself the time to reflect and to think about if you're doing everything you can for the areas that you need to in your life? So take this moment to have that little slice of humble pie 
to do that self-reflection, to have that self-awareness. So with that awareness can come acceleration in this new year full of opportunities, possibilities, and just your limitless potential. We have to take a purposeful pause though. So that's one of the biggest things. And you know, that second thing is just reminding ourselves to be present. We can get stuck in the rut of our past, the things that we've done, the things that we mull over because we wish we had done them differently. We can get stuck in the future. What's that next goal? What's that next milestone? I want you to take the opportunity right now to be present. Think about what you're grateful for today, who you're grateful for today, and just sit with that. Sit with that for a minute because that's right now. That's happening right now. Don't just blow past it. There is always, always in the midst of the chaos, something to be grateful for. So with that, happy new year, everyone. We are in 2022. I appreciate you showing up, tuning into the Born Unbreakable podcast. Subscribe if you haven't already so you can be informed of when new episodes are coming. I'm excited for the guests that I'll have on the show this year and just the knowledge and the growth that we're going to experience together here in this community. You know, I always say that you're your only limit, so take action, and I sincerely mean that. So do that today. Do that for yourself, and I promise it'll pay dividends for the people around you. Don't forget to tune in again next time for another incredible and inspiring and fun episode of the Born Unbreakable podcast.